So this morning I want to start um, by looking at a passage of scripture in Romans 12. And I know it's not our custom to necessarily bring our Bibles to Vision Women. Um, So I have organised for Robin, who is doing... Can you cheer, Robin? This is her first time on the notices um, and overheads, and isn't she doing a marvellous job? It feels a little bit overwhelming to be behind the computer. I mean, it... Yeah, anyway, she's doing a great job. So we are going to be turning to Romans 12 and we're going to be reading the first eight verses together. So it says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Complicated, doesn't it sound like that? So we are one body, but we have many members and that not all of us have the same function, but we are one body in Christ, general gist. Verse 6, having gifts, and this is the key verse I want us to take notice of this morning, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is, I suspect, to many of us, a fairly familiar passage from Romans. But as I said, the verse that really leapt off the page for me as a verse that God was highlighting for us as vision women as we start the year together is verse 6. Robin, if we can just have verse 6 again, that would be wonderful. And then you could even leave that there and come and join us because I think there's not we won't flick about from there. So verse 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So this sentence here actually for me sums up part of what it looks like to live a life valued and flourishing. Paul describes that each of us has been given a different grace, if you like, a different gift has been placed within us. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this. I'm sure we all have, where you look at somebody doing something and you think, I have no idea how you do that. I'm not necessarily talking about a skill or it, it may be a skill, but often it's an expression of who they are. Um, so I'll give you an example. I taught Sunday school this last Sunday because all of our teachers in the 9 to 12-year-old room were unavailable. And I thought, I'm a mum, I've got four kids, I've got this. Well, just let me say I have a new and deeply increased value for what our Sunday school teachers do and that they do it week in, week out. And truly, I don't know how they do it. Um, can I be honest here and say that I left on Sunday actually feeling a little bit battered. Nine to 12-year-olds are an interesting group. And, um, and I kind of coped with most of it. I found it quite interesting that half of them had devices with them um, and that they were on those. I found it fairly interesting having showed them a... Um, a thing on a, a video clip. I thought I was being current, you know, here's a video clip um, on salvation and our need for salvation. It was an important message. Like I felt a real weightiness about it. And so then at the end I say, so what do you think we need to be rescued from? Well, I got answers like dinosaurs. I got answers like, and I'm like, oh. So anyway, um, I actually went home with my inner critic berating me that I couldn't win over this group of 9 to 12-year-olds. I actually thought on something so important as salvation. Now, look, I'm, I probably... God is so much bigger than my capacity to be able to meet with these kids and um, I'm painting it as a picture really just to get you to understand that I don't know how those Sunday school teachers do it other than the grace on their life, the gifting in their life is for that. That's their grace zone. That is what they're called to. I was a relief teacher and I was treated like a relief teacher. One of the kids, I said to them, now Greg and Leanne will be here next week and one of the little cherubs spoke up and says, no offence, but I'm really glad. <laughs> oh, tough crowd, <laughs> tough crowd. Anyway, I'm a recovering perfectionist um, and I don't like failure and I really left on Sunday feeling like I'd failed. Now, I would never say that just because it's not my grace zone that I would not do that. Please hear me. I'm not saying that we always get to do everything that we're good at. But I'm just trying to give you an example. There will be things that you do in your life and it's potentially possible that those Sunday school teachers look at what I do and go, I don't know how you do it. So, And there'll be things in your life, there's a, there will be a grace and a gifting on your life that people will look at you and they'll be like, I, I don't know how you do that. But the thing is, it's the grace that's been deposited in you, the gift that's been deposited in you. So in Romans 12, Paul likens the church to a human body, doesn't he? And he does that a number of times in a number of his different um, letters. Um, he says we're all members of the same body, but we have a different function. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, and this is the Catherine paraphrase, he kind of it fleshes it out a bit more and he says, well, what would the use be if everybody was an eye? Well, who'd do the hearing? Or what, 
good would it be if the eye said to the hand, we don't need you anymore? And so he really is getting us to think, using something that we are used to using and interacting with every day, which is our body, to understand that our body has many different functions and that, in fact, prominence isn't necessarily the same thing as significance. So my heart or my brain are actually fairly significant parts of my body. I can't do without them, but they're not prominent. You can't see them. Um, whereas my nose may be the most prominent thing on my face, and although I look, might look a bit funny, I could actually live without my nose if I'd had to. Um, I don't really want to, Lord. Um, so we all have a different and unique gifts. We're all different, and God values our different. He, he's not a cookie-cutter God. We are all made in his image all uniquely different expressions of who he is. And so we actually should also value our differences, both in ourselves and in one another. And I think that's a challenge for us sometimes, isn't it, to, um, as women particularly, or maybe I'm the only one, but to compare ourselves all the time, to think, well, I should be more like that person. But the thing is that we are to value our differences and not to get stuck in comparing ourselves to other people. And that can go either way. We can become critical because somebody's not like us or we can beat ourselves up because we're not like somebody else, can't we, I think? So in Romans 12, Paul goes on to list seven different gifts. These are sometimes referred to as the motivational gifts. And the thing that I really find interesting about this list of gifts compared to some of the other lists of gifts that are written in Scripture is that it's basically inferred by the way that he describes this that most of us will kind of have one prominent gift, whereas other gifts, he says, the Holy Spirit gives as he wills and, to, and, and desire all the gifts. This is one of those ones where he says, if, if your gift is prophecy prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, serve. If your gift is teaching, then teach. So inferred in the way that he says it is know what your gift is and use it. Um, so there is a grace over each of us, like a, a God-given motivation, if you like, in your life, a particular gifting that actually meets the need of the body. Okay, so each of these motivational giftings, all of them are needed, but we're not, we're not all going to have all of them. There's going to be a requirement for everybody to use the gift that's been given to them. And what is thought with the motivational gifts is that on the whole, we're born with these. Like there will be aspects of our lives that may affect how they express themselves in our lives but actually on the whole it's really felt and the stuff there's a great book that um, a, a guy who came to talk in our ch church called um, Wes Bolton I think his name was and there's a book called Identity Theft and um, 
he does a lot of teaching around this. And what, he's really, what he really says in that book is that the motivational gifts, we're born with those. In fact, you may even be able to track back some of your motivational giftings, even pre-coming to Christ. Obviously, they'll be used differently and not necessarily for the glory of God. But that kind of deposit in you is, 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 is there from birth. So I'm not saying that we should only serve people from this bent or this motivational gift. Oh, well, I'm really terribly sorry, but serving is not my motivational gift and so therefore I can't possibly be on the tea and coffee roster. I'm not talking about that. But I actually think it is really helpful for us to understand how we are wired. Um, That um, we... And we will relate more to one gift than others I think you you may find and we'll I've got a handout for you but you may find that there'll be a number that you actually do relate to but all of us will have one primary motivational gifting in our lives and actually what happens is you can't really help but respond out of your primary motivational gifting like it's just something because there's a grace for it in your life you actually just won't be able to help yourself So, of course, it is oversimplistic for us to define ourselves simply by our motivational gifting. So, I'm not saying that either. You know, I mean, there are so many testings, aren't there, these days about what our personality types are and what our birth order is and what our primary love languages are. And, you know, we are complex human beings designed by almighty God. So, to, uh, the idea that we could just be defined by our motiv- motivational giftings alone is obviously ridiculous. But it, uh, what I guess I'm wanting to put before you today is that it does help us to understand ourselves and actually to understand one another a little bit better, you know, of why doesn't somebody else see a need that you see? Well, that may just, they're just not wired that way. Um, and and th- that we actually then, as we understand ourselves and understand one another better, that in fact what flows from that is that we value ourselves and we value one another more deeply. So living within the measure of grace that God has given you leads to a life that is open, expansive and flourishing. I'll say that again because I really, it was a, um, an idea that God just dropped into me um, and I, I really, I like the way that he phrased it. It's not my phrasing. Living within the measure of grace God has given you leads to a life that is open and expansive and flourishing. Conversely, comparing ourselves to others beating ourselves up for not being like someone else or trying to live in someone else's grace zone will certainly make the grace appear thinner and will be the very opposite of flourishing. It will feel closed in and difficult. So I can guarantee you that you will need the gifts that God has placed within you for the dreams and the passions that he's placed in your heart. You will need those and it's how he's wired you. So we all have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us and then Paul exhorts us in verse 6 
to use our gifts. And so if we're going to use our gifts, we actually need to know what they are. So I did just want to know, has, has anybody ever looked at their motivational gifts before? I know some of you will because, in fact, we did this at a retreat in 2009. But, um, ha, I mean, have, has there anybody who's not looked at their motivational gifts before? And it's good to have a recap, I think. You know, I think we fall out of step with who we are sometimes and I mean I found even just going back over this oh yes God you know this is this is a way that I'm wired I didn't know that but that it it just joined a few dots for me even coming beginning this year and some of the things that God's been talking to me about so as I said I do have a handout um, because I think that it's something that's worth looking through. The handout's listed in such a way. It's got each of the um, motivational gifts. It's got both the strengths and the weaknesses. And I would really encourage you, I have to say that there are a number of the motivational gifts that, for me that I would identify in me as much from the bits where it doesn't express itself quite so healthily as by the ways that it expresses healthily and I've just got a few prompts on the front there to just help you to think it through and think okay and even not just looking at your life right now um I remember when I first did this teaching it was 2009 and Alyssa would have been about two or three at the time I think and is my youngest daughter and I just remember God saying to me as I was sort of preparing then, don't just look at what's happening now because I really did feel like I was a mum in the absolute thick of still, you know, she was only one and a half, two, and then I had three other children as well. And so it was my motivational gifts were expressing themselves quite differently at that season of my life to, um, you know, say now or pre-children. So um, I just think it is worth actually looking at the entirety of your life and some of the things that you've gravitated towards as an indicator. So what I want to do is just take a brief run through the seven motivational gifts um, just to remind ourselves. So the first one it, it, in, in the tra- ESV translation, it says prophecy. That also is perception or a perceiver is the other word that's sometimes used. And so these people actually have a really intuitive capacity to kind of discern and accurately read a situation. They're able to look beyond what is obvious. Um, and again, often perceivers don't realise that other people are not able to see beyond the obvious but one of the purposes of this as one of the gifts within the body of Christ is that they're actually able to um, assess and comment on the implications of actions and decisions they're able to look past the immediacy of something and actually how that may play out and so um, they're described as the eyes of the body and they kind of meet the directional need. They help with directional sort of stuff because of their ability to look past the, the obvious. And remember, these things coupled with the Holy Spirit are things that bring glory to the Lord. I mean, there are people who will have some of these gifts and they're not used in conjunction with the Lord, obviously. So um, the second gifting mentioned in Romans 12 is serving or ministry. And so servers are really motivated to meet practical needs. 
Um, they're often described as the workers, but they're very quick to see a need and to react and do something about it. They're not necessarily quite as good at the long-term strategy type stuff, but the immediate needs are actually very good at seeing and meeting the need of. And th they tend to be very cooperative, team player, supportive people. Um, and they represent the hands. Then we have teacher researcher. Now, I've distinguished teacher researcher specifically because the next gift, which is the exhortation gift, tends to also have a teaching aspect to it. And you will have some people who've gone into the profession of teaching who aren't necessarily teacher researchers and are exhorters. And I'll explain the difference between them. So a teacher re researcher is an analyzer and they're very motivated to know the details and systematize their findings. My husband is absolutely a teacher researcher. He bought a new car last year, um, well new to us, and I have to say that there was six months of research that went into the process, a spreadsheet with all the layout of the different engine sizes, blah -de blah 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 blah. Um, so Everything he does, uh, he, I was telling some of the ladies at the table, he's planning a really ridiculous camping trip this weekend that I'm not going on because I'm not a camper. Um, but it, it, in the hot weather, riding bikes and hiking up mountains. and But, you know, he's been up late every night looking at maps, writing equipment lists. Like, you know, I mean, at least he is prepared, I guess I should think that. But anyway, he is very much a teacher researcher. So they like to gather as many facts as they can and they're very concerned with accuracy. And what they do is they help organise facts in such a way so as people can make an informed decision. They're very, that's, they're very big on that in making sure that people have all the information they need to make a good intellectual decision. And so they're the mind of the body. They meet the intellectual needs of the body. Then you have the exhorter. Now, the exhorter represents the mouth of the body. This would be my primary... Um, this would be my primary um, motivational gift, I think. And exhorters also will teach, but it tends to be in equipping and building people up. That tends to be their focus. Um, they see potential in people and they really desire to encourage others to grow and to develop even in the face of hardship and suffering. So you may get exhorters who actually will try and exhort people to embrace the hardship and the suffering because it's a great learning opportunity. Um, they're different to the compassion mercy people. I might put them in next just to give you um, a difference. So compassion mercy people are definitely the feelers, very people-oriented. Whereas an exhorter has a desire to build somebody up, and they will definitely sit with you in your need to a certain extent. They won't cope if you wallow there too long as, as far as they would see it. Whereas a mercy, compassion person, they will sit with you, listen to you, hold you as long as it takes. They are not put off by your pain. They have a real ability to impart often the heart of the father to people um, and and they they are very patient people, um, and so they're they're known as the heart of the body, um, and they're really motivated to meet the emotional needs of others. Then you have the givers. So givers tend to be quite cause oriented. Um, 
they're motivated to gather resources. So they may not be people, they may be people who have immense resources themselves, but they're also actually really good at networking to gather resources to be able to give and see a need and meet the need. So they're not necessarily wealthy people. They are just people who are really good at gathering what is needed um, and connecting the resources with the needs. They do give financially often, but they also like to participate in projects and ministry. So it's not just a throw money at it kind of a gifting. They actually like to be involved as well. And so they're the arms of the body and they tend to meet the material needs of the body. And then we have the administration or the leaders. And um, these people are very process-oriented people. They um, are the organisers and they're motivated to consider and evaluate all the available resources and apply them in a functional way. So um, a little bit different to givers where givers will be, it will be a particular project administrators it tends to be a slightly bigger picture visionary type thing um, but having said that that may show up for some women as as simply as that they actually run a really organized household and administ- their administration gift shows itself in how they organize their children and how they manage their household so it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who um, is in the corporate world or involved in a big ministry leadership kind of a role it, it it can show itself in the midst of our ordinary day-to-day life and so they um delegate well they're usually really great self-starters and they're not easily sidetracked in fact probably that would also potentially in there comes stubbornness because they like to get the job done um and they meet function the functional need of the body so they're the shoulders is the way that they're described so that's the seven motivational gifts and as I said the detail much more detail in these handouts just so that you can reflect on them and even some um, examples of biblically of people who maybe have you know as much as we can tell fitted those motivational gifts so now of course I do want to make it clear that we're all unique so if I got you to stand up now and say right all the administrators over there all the compassion mercy people over there even if I grouped you, it would still, the way that you express that grace in your life will look different because you're all different. And so it's not saying that if you've got the same motivational gift as somebody else, that you're both going to do exactly the same thing. But again, your motivation will be similar. You know, where you're, what need you're wanting to meet will be similar, even if it is expressed differently. Um. But I think one of the biggest telltale signs of our primary motivational gift is that when we express it, when we release that grace in our life, we feel alive and we feel valued and we flourish. Like when that gift is, ha- has expression in our life, that's when you feel most alive and passionate about something. So we are graced and motivated to meet the needs of others in this way is the way I I really like that Paul links that aspect of that it's something that we're graced with. You know, um, obviously that doesn't mean that there isn't time where there's effort required and discipline required and all of those things, but it is just something that will flow out of you as being 
really a part of who, who you are. So th- this morning, really, I just I, I, I wanted just for us to consider briefly just a few things. Again, there's, it's such an enormous topic that I wouldn't expect you to arrive at any conclusions if you've not thought about this before now. But I guess today what I really want to get you thinking about is what motivational gifts have been entrusted to you or gift has been entrusted to you? I want us to reconnect with what are we passionate about? What makes us feel alive? And the question that um, we asked ourselves as a leadership team, we, we went out for a coffee a few weeks ago to do some planning for Vision Women and the question that we asked and then answered as a, a small group is when do you feel God's pleasure? Now I was talking to Justin about this last night and he kind of looked a bit puzzled and I'm like well I'm not saying that God takes pleasure in us only when we're doing or when we're striving But I want you to think about the pleasure that the Father has in you when you are expressing who he's made you to be. That actually there are a number of times where in in the um, Gospels, Jesus is really amazed by people, which I find quite incredible that the God of this universe could be amazed by somebody, by a person. But a couple of examples, there's the centurion um, who... Jesus is amazed by his faith, even though he's a Gentile. The Syrophoenician woman is another who wants her son healed. And um, and Jesus says, well, it's, this is only for the Jewish people at the moment. And she says to him, well, even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. And Jesus is moved with amazement at her faith. And so he takes pleasure in us, much in the same way as you might take pleasure in a child or a grandchild learning a new skill or doing something. I kind of imagine him, you know, nudging Jesus or Holy Spirit and going, look, that's my girl. That's my girl. Like she's, she's using the gift I've put in her. So the question that I'd actually just like you to pause for a moment and then just share with the person next to you. Like we found it hard. It was quite challenging. And it, in sort of groups of two or three, we did find it challenging. And it feels a bit self-conscious to tell other people when you feel God's pleasure in you, doesn't it? Like I, I don't know. Like I found I felt quite self-conscious when we asked each other that in the cafe. It felt um, maybe like it sounded a bit um, conceited to say. But I just want you to encourage you just to take a few moments, minutes, to think about when do you feel God's pleasure. But I just want to finish with just a couple of final thoughts for you. Um, so I guess that I think our challenge for this year as vision women is to ask God, what is your grace zone for me this year? What is your grace zone for me this year? I I called this um, talk serving in your grace zone. So what is your grace zone for me this year? Where are you called to serve and give expression to the measure of grace that he has given you? And how can we as women encourage and value one another in that process? And I actually think that's part of our journey this year together, um, this year. 
So what is your grace zone for me this year, Lord? That's something I want you to go and ask him in your personal time with him. And where are you called to serve and give expression to the measure of grace that he has given you? And how can we together as vision women encourage and value one another in that process? So in the words of Paul, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let's be women together this year who know and walk in the measure of grace that he has given us, serving in our grace zone as women who are valued and who are flourishing. So this morning, I would really like one of the things I love and feel is an absolute hallmark of um, Vision Women Daytime is the way that you gather to pray for one another. Um, and that's something very much, I, I hope you feel a pleasure of the Father in that because he just, seeing you guys getting alongside each other is, brings pleasure to the heart of the Father. So this morning there's a couple of things. I would really like you to take the time in your groups just to pray for one another, just for a fresh release of awareness of the grace and the gifts that God has placed in you. Not necessarily to hear now, but that the Holy Spirit would really help you to have ears to hear what he's saying to you over the next week as you seek him about where he's calling you to serve this year and um, how he wants you to give expression to what he's deposited in you.